Welcome to the Loving the Fight Marriage Podcast. Hey, we're so glad you guys are back with us today. Today, we are super excited to talk about a marriage topic that not many people really ever cover. But before we do, we just want to give a shout out to one of our faithful listeners, Sonia Rouser. Oh man, it's so awesome to have you listening, Sonia. So here's what she said. I am blessed to know Travis and Don personally, and I can attest to their zeal and passion for marriage. They truly do practice what they preach. This podcast is so encouraging to my own marriage, and it often gives me a renewed motivation to be a blessing to my husband wherever I can. This podcast gives great tools and lessons on how to have a gospel-centered marriage and also how to love and enjoy your spouse to the fullest. That is so cool. We just want to say thank you, Sonia, for taking the time to write that (laughs) and just encouraging us with those words. It really encourages us personally to keep loving the fight. I mean, each of us, like, we get excited when we hear feedback like that and to know that it's making a very real difference. So again, we want to thank you, Sonia Rouser, for your feedback, your review, and just excited to give you a shout out. Well, hey, those of you that are listening like Sonia, if you're wanting a shout out, just go to Apple Podcasts way down at the bottom. It gives you a chance to give us a five-star review and also to just be able to share why you like this podcast. Well, well, you know what? What's new with us this week? You know, I know, actually, you know, last week it rained a ton, didn't it, Travis? It, like, it did. I think uh, like five, six days straight. It was cloudy for like two oh, weeks. I, I mean, that's what it felt like sun. anyway. But you know what? On the other side of the rain, our grass looks beautiful. It's so, so green. green. The trees are <laughs> budding. The birds are chirping and everything feels so alive. It does. And we just went and got a cartload, a huge amount of wood for our outdoor fires. Oh, we love having fires just in the driveway or in our backyard, it's but so the driveway fun. fires are fun. And it smells great, but it's also another excuse to be outside. Well, this weekend we did a lot of entertaining. We love to have people in our home. We had a large group of friends over on Friday night and we made a ton of food on a stick. It was <laughs> so much food. Yes. Yeah. And it was all on a stick. Was, a lot fun. of yeah. things like desserts and appetizers. the main course yep. kind of appetizers. So, so fun. We also had then our family over for much of the weekend and just some friends that came up from Bismarck and stayed with us for like three days. Yeah. That was a blast. What a treat to be able to catch up with them and spend time with our family. We love our family. But Don, specifically, what is it? Why do you like to have people over? I mean, I know, and I think I know the answer, but maybe share with everybody else. Why do you and I entertain so much from your perspective? Honestly, it's just a great way to get to know people. When you invite them into your home, you can get to know them in a deeper way and just have those deeper conversations with them around your table, just laughing and Again, I just really think it's a way for them to truly get to know who you are. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you can go out to eat with people and get to know them, but it's still kind of in a semi-formal setting. But when they're at your house, man, they know what you live like and they get to know you and the conversations are so different. They go so much deeper. And I know you and I, we just crave that. And that's why we have people over all the time. If there, if there, if it's a crime to have people over, we are probably going to be sentenced yeah. for life, right? Just want to encourage you. If you guys, you know, haven't had people over for a while, just send out an invitation and invite some people over. It's just a blast. Again, you don't have to like serve amazing food. Just open up some chips and dip. And yeah. Catch up. Go yeah. deeper. Well, to start us off, I just wanted to share a story. Travis, I know I'm sure you remember this. You know, our son, Alex, was about seven or eight and we had a pool table. 
And he played it quite a bit, but it's funny. Our pool table was actually in the garage because we had a finished garage, but we would go out there and play quite often. Well, we went out there one evening and all of a sudden Alex made a shot. You know, Alex, our son. Yes, yeah. Made a great shot. And we compliment him like, well, Alex, you know, you're a good pool player. <laughs> and I remember him looking at us and saying, yeah, I know. I'm the best pool player there is. <laughs> and I was like shocked at his response to our encouragement, yeah. you know, our compliment. He kind of took it way too far. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there was some serious pride that came out of his mouth. Too much pride. Yeah. And it was funny because it was like, you know, we were complimenting him, wanting to encourage him because we were genuinely impressed with his shot that right. he made. He was quite a good pool player, still is, but it almost gave him such a boost of confidence that it was overkill. It did. And we got it on video. So it is like the cutest thing because he's only like seven years old and he's like, yeah, I know dad, yeah. I'm the best. It, <laughs> it was funny because we actually, that's how, why we thought of the stories. We just watched it on video. Like, I don't know how we caught that moment on video, but it's funny. But this sets up our topic perfectly it really for does. today. And here's why. One of the toughest things to overcome in marriage is yourself. So what am I trying to say? We can become the biggest stumbling block to our own marriages when we allow ourselves to become the focus in our hearts and in our minds. So here's the shocking truth when it comes to marriage. God didn't have you in mind when he created it. He had two people. And that's why we have often said, Don and I, you, you and I, we've often said, when you work on you, you work on right. two. And that is a great motto in marriage, right? Marriage was never meant to be, well, our marriage will get better when she changes or our marriage will feel right when he stops doing that. Marriage was always created and meant to be like, how can I change and be the difference in my marriage? How can I be a better husband or a better wife? When you have two people asking and answering questions like that, Don, then the marriage is going to succeed and be the best relational experience possible. The problem with marriage, though, and it's a good problem, I think, is that it's twofold, literally. God said the two will become one flesh. And you can't become one when all you think of is yourself. You can't become one when all you do is point the finger at your yep, spouse. That's true. There's only one way to become one, and that is by being done with yourself. In other words, make serving and pleasing Jesus and your spouse the focus and everything in your marriage will begin to change. So what happens though, Don? You know, so many couples get married. They go to, you know, on their wedding day to say, I do. They're all excited. And then they start to change over time. I mean, what causes us to stall in marriage? I mean, after all, when we first start out, it's all about them, right? It's all yeah. about the other person, yeah. about your future spouse or your new spouse, if you're newly married. And it, we say things like, I love them and I want to be married to them so that we can be happy together and I can make them happy and they can make me right, happy. Yeah. Don, I remember back to our marriage. We said words like to have and to hold from this day forward, to love and to cherish till death do us part. I mean, I, I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is we are willing to pledge everything on the day that we get married, but we quickly start to walk back from that once we are married as we fight about some of the dumbest things 
are really difficult things, really important things. You and I, Don, we have fought about some crazy stuff over the last 28 (laughs) years of marriage, haven't we? There are many goofy things and sometimes meaningless things that we have fought about. But obviously, there's some times where, you know, those were legit things and they were hard, really important circumstances that we had to work through. But some of the goofy things like toast <laughs> on the counter. I know I used to butter my toast on the counter and it drove you crazy. Or you drank way too much pop and that drove me crazy. I know a more serious issue, which which house to buy. When we had some serious conflict yeah. over choosing a house. And we talked about that in an earlier episode. Yeah. But you wanted to buy one house and I wanted to buy a, a different one. You wanted to buy a used house a block away and I wanted to buy the brand yes. new one that had just been built. We have thought about, you know, our finances and, you know, what to buy and what not to buy. Who gets to choose where we can go on vacation? We That has caused conflict in the past. Or about how, how should we invest our money? Or there's times that we have thought about sex and times that we just had bad oh, attitudes. Yeah. Over the years, we actually have thought about some really dumb things. And that's why we call this podcast Loving the Fight. Fighting for your marriage, not against your marriage. So what causes this backward slide from being willing to die for our future spouse on our wedding day and what could be at the heart of these petty and serious points of conflict? The answer is actually quite simple. It's this. It's pride. All of the things that we just talked about had their roots in pride. The problem is God has created us with specific needs, but pride comes along and turns basic needs into demands. Even worse, pride comes along and turns wants, bad attitudes, and selfishness into a grab for power. Pride has so often been at the heart of who is going to win this argument or this conflict. And I don't, Travis. I definitely have struggled with pride in our marriage, especially in the midst of conflict. There's a great quote, and we aren't completely sure where it comes from, but it's awesome. So we just wanted to share it with you. It's this. Most relationships fail because couples fight with pride more than they work with love. And I love that. That's true. We sometimes, our pride gets in the way and we fight with the pride way more than we do with love. Yeah. And really, if you could say that love was a hammer in your right hand and pride was a hammer in your left hand, and you think of building your marriage, love would like actually nail things together and build this gorgeous, amazing life, this house that you could live in forever. But pride would be more like a sledgehammer in your left hand. It would destroy (laughs) and knock down the boards and tear your future and your house and your your life apart. That's a great example. (laughs) Well, it's true. And I've had pride in my life, so much pride, Don. And you know, it has caused a ton of issues in our marriage. And that's why the title of this episode, and we wanted to ask this question, is pride your silent marriage killer? I think we want to ask ourselves that question and me as an individual. I want to keep asking that question. Am I negatively impacting my marriage, Don, with you by allowing myself to be prideful? You know, we've often thought that pride in marriage is one of the deadliest marriage killers. It's a silent killer because it's seductive and deceptive. It's easy to believe that I'm right because I believe that sometimes. And my spouse is the one who needs to change. In other words, to place the blame on my spouse. If they were just a better person, then we would have a happier marriage. I know I've told myself that many times. And what that does is it takes the focus off of me. So I don't have to change. It's really just playing the blame game. And it's pride. So where 
where has this manifested itself in our marriage, right, Don? And I know for me, I have struggled with a savior mentality, believing that the world, my world, needs me to step in and save the day. It's awful. It's like, okay, I'm the guy to fix everything all the time because I know everything that is going on and everyone needs to listen to me. And it's kind of bad. I mean, sometimes this little deceptive voice starts telling me that. And the worst part is sometimes I believe it. So what does pride look like in most marriages? Well, it starts by being opinionated rather than listening and learning. It's funny. I feel like there's often times that either of us can be so opinionated that our opinions actually feel like they're they're factual, like that's the fact, but really they're just an opinion. We forget that they're an opinion. Yeah, yeah. And another part would be arrogance, thinking way too highly of yourself. Don, there's this little piece of pride that kind of sneaks in as well in marriages, and it would be the victim mentality. Mm. And that one is super deceptive, super silent, because when we're a victim, we're like, oh, well, you did this to me or you did that to me. But what we're really saying is, I'm more important. I'm going to think about me. I'm going to focus on me. And it becomes very self-focused. There's also selfishness, self-centered narcissism. That's a part of pride in marriage. There's defensiveness where you always are trying to protect your reputation so you won't look bad. Another manifestation of pride in marriage is being judgmental of your spouse, but not yourself. It could show up in the form of a bad attitude rather than gratitude. But it also a huge downside of pride. And again, maybe evidence that pride is there is in the area of, of vulnerability, or should I say a lack of vulnerability? Your marriage will lack that, that willingness of being transparent. And so you're, you're just afraid that your spouse will know the truth and it'll keep you from going deeper with your spouse. Pride also manifests itself through anger, right? Only God can ultimately bring justice, but anger rises up when we think we're right, when we think our spouse has wronged us. And it's pride to like, we use our anger, like an angry outburst to try to punish our spouse. But the Bible says that anger does not produce the godly life that God desires. And really the other thing that pops in our minds is the unwillingness to really admit your mistakes because you're prideful and you don't want to admit mistakes. It'll make you look bad and you want to make sure that you look good. I know, Travis, as you were just talking about all those things, I have definitely seen those in our own marriage and just in myself. I have struggled with many of those things. I know even just unwillingness to apologize. There's times that we get in an argument and I'm like, there is no way I'm going to say I'm sorry because I'm my pride just gets in the way and I want yeah. to not, you know, I want to be stubborn and just, no, no, it wasn't my fault. It was your fault, but it's just pride. Yeah. And when I think of that list, I would say defensiveness. I get way too defensive, Don, as you know, too fast. And what it really is, is it's pride. It's like not willing to listen, trying to make myself look good, whatever, but I get too defensive and that is not good for our marriage. Hey friends, we'll get right back to the episode, but we just wanted to say if this podcast has encouraged you in any way, please consider sharing it on social media, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. We'd also love to hear from you. So feel free to leave a comment. And for more information about Travis or Don Rosinger, go to lovingthefight.com. I'm sure some of you guys have recognized some of these in your own marriage. I mean, I know definitely 
We have seen every single one of these in our marriage. So how can we deal with pride and rid ourselves of it? How can we rid ourselves of, you know, our marriage of pride? Yeah, of this silent killer that just sneaks its way in and kills our marriage. Well, there are definitely some ways, you know, things we can do that you know, help us get rid of this pride. The first one is just focus on Jesus. We need to focus on how Jesus physically died for the sins of the world. He died for people who kept sinning and were going to continue to sin. Well, how did he die? Think it through. Jesus was nailed to a cross. He it's died crazy. a criminal's death. It was horrible. Wow. Yeah. That's how Jesus proved his love for us. Boy, he if, died. If that doesn't reorientate your attitude inside and really start to crush your pride, I don't know what will. I mean, as we think of how Jesus was whipped, uh, they also punched him in the face. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They shoved a spear in his side. They, Like you said, Don, they nailed him to a cross. That's how great his love was. Right. And yet we get a little bit annoyed because you put too much cream in my coffee yeah. and I want to jump all over yeah. you. And it's like, wait a second, Jesus was nailed to a cross. Yes. I think I can put up with a little bit more for my spouse. Yes, absolutely. How can we prove our love for our spouse? We need to die. And what does this look like? We need to die to yourself. We have to die. I have to die to Don. Like I have to like get rid of my I want attitudes and just really be humble. The second way that we can deal with pride and rid ourselves of it is this. We take communion together with the heart and the thought that you are celebrating and remembering Jesus' death so that you can live that out in your own marriage. Yeah, and that's really just symbolic. I mean, that's just stopping and saying, we're going to honor Jesus as a couple. Yes. Not only me, Don, thinking about Jesus' death, but you and I doing it together and just stopping. And, and a lot of times you don't you don't have grape juice or you don't have crackers, but you find something and you read about Jesus in the Bible and you take communion together. What a powerful way to cement uh, what what he did for us, even as a couple, Don. I know most people think that you have to take communion in church and they can't take it anywhere else. But have you ever just tried taking it in your home with your spouse? It's literally remembering Jesus and it just completely changes your heart. The third thing that you can do to just get rid of that pride, you know, that we struggle with in our marriage and in our own lives is do a valuation of your spouse and marriage. Your marriage is the most valuable thing that you have next to God. Picture a life without the benefit of a loving spouse in a marriage. Most people describe divorce like a death. The loss would be huge. You know, I would never want to lose yeah, your trust. I yeah. wouldn't want to, you know, end our marriage in any way. It would be a Me death. Me neither. And it's really just thinking through, what would that be like? It would be horrible. Right. Absolutely horrible. You're valuable to me. And so we need to do evaluation of our spouse and our marriage. Someone once said, it is better to lose your pride to the one you love than to lose the one you love to your pride. Again, I wanted to say that again, because I love that quote. It is better to lose your pride to the one you love than to lose the one you love to your pride. Yeah. And so many people do that. They lose the one they love to their pride and divorce happens over and over again. But those of you that are listening and Don and I were flawed humans and we refuse to push the divorce button and walk away. So what else can you do to rid yourself of the secret marriage killer called pride. Well, another thing you can do is change your mind about the kind of person that you're going to be. 
In other words, kill your self-focus, get rid of it, ditch the, what I would say would be the guest mentality and embrace the host mentality. I heard somebody explain that once, you know, just the difference between somebody who's a guest and says, Hey, I'm here. Everybody should welcome me and serve me or a host where your spouse gets up in the morning. You're like, Oh my gosh, you're here. I want to serve you. I want to be there for you. In James chapter four, verse six, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's changing your focus, Mm, saying, I'm going to be humble because God's going to give me grace. Another thing that you can do is to become a student of your spouse, learning everything that you can about them to meet their needs. And what this does is it reorientates your energy away from honoring yourself to one where you learn to honor your spouse. It's honoring to meet somebody new and ask them a hundred questions, not to interrogate them, but to genuinely say with your communication, I want to know more about you and showing interest. You and I, Don, we've met people and they just sit there and they just look at you and they don't show any interest. Yeah. And there are marriages like that where the spouse just gives up and they don't want to get to know their husband or wife better. We need to be lifelong learners of our spouse. Again, we're trying to answer the question, is pride the silent killer in your marriage? And if so, if that's a possibility, we know that it is for all of us, you might want to consider realizing that your perspective and knowledge is limited. And I needed this and I still need this. Knowledge is always changing. And of course, it has a shelf life. I don't know if you've thought about that lately, but I have. What I believed about marriage 20 years ago is very different than what I believe and know to be true today about marriage. And to just admit that, I mean, that's a humbling concept to know that God doesn't change, but we change all the time. And that means that what I thought was true at one time isn't necessarily true now. And so I'm often wrong, but don't realize it until many years later. I mean, that's really what I'm getting at. In Proverbs 11 two, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And I just keep praying, God, give me more wisdom. And part of that is on me where I need to get more humble. So how can we rid ourselves of this pride, you know, this that creeps in and can destroy our marriage? We need to ditch the I deserve mentality. When we tell ourselves, you know what, I deserve, we are actually headed for a betrayal of our spouse and our own marriage. I deserve is how a desire in marriage turns to secrets and in turn can become an addiction, an affair, an unhealthy and undestructive behavior that we start to justify or condone. The greatest thing that you can do in your marriage is to change the pronoun from I to you, from I deserve to you deserve, from thinking about what you should be getting or what you are not getting to what your spouse deserves and should be getting. And lastly, this is key, you know, to get rid of this pride that we that we, we all struggle with. Every marriage struggles with this at certain times, but we need to be open to feedback from your spouse and from others about ways that you need to change. And this might be one of the toughest tests of marriage because sometimes we can get really defensive about that feedback or we can, you know, refuse to believe that that feedback is true. Yeah. And I think feedback, Don, in all honesty, is one of the greatest tests of humility or to know if you have a, too much pride in your life. Because when you get feedback to be able to just stop and listen and process it and think it through and check your heart and not get angry and not get defensive, that is such a great test. And if you pass the test, 
then you know you're killing that silent killer called pride. So how do you get rid of the silent killer called pride? Well, let's recap. Focus on how Jesus physically died. I mean, think it through. Take communion together. Celebrate that death together. Do evaluation of your spouse and marriage. Think about how bad life would be without them. Change your mind about the kind of person that you're going to be. And become a student of your spouse. Go to the university of your spouse and become a professor at that college. Realize that your perspective and knowledge is limited. Ditch the I deserve mentality. And lastly, be open to feedback from others and your spouse. Remember, when you work on yourself and you ditch the silent killer of pride, you've already drastically improved your marriage. When two people in a marriage do that, it's a definite recipe for relational success. I know, Travis, we actually say that. We say when you work on you, you work on two. We both have to work on ourselves and remove that pride completely out of our lives. It works. It absolutely works. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Loving the Fight Marriage Podcast. Hey, it's been great being with you guys today. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Love in the Fight Marriage Podcast. If this podcast encouraged you, then be sure to share it with others that you care about through your Facebook page, Instagram, or other social media channels. Please hit the subscribe button if you have not subscribed. And please click like and leave us a review. Tell us what you think. For more conversations about marriage and what it takes to make sure that you are loving the fight, visit us at lovingthefight.com. See you next time.